You can be seated. Matthew 9, 18 through 38. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. Behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned, and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went throughout all that district. And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame through all that district. As they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. And the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He casts out demons by the prince of demons. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can gather this morning, that we can worship and praise your name God, thank you for this beautiful weather. Thank you for providing just what we needed this Sunday morning so that we could worship you freely. God, I pray for every heart here. No doubt, God, there are burdens. There have been things this week in our lives that are heavy, maybe really hard things. God, would you please let us set those things aside so that our hearts and our minds can hear what you have given Ryan to speak to us today. God, please fill him with your Holy Spirit. Let us receive your word, and God, let us leave this place different than we came in this morning. In your name we pray, amen. Morning, everybody. Did not expect to have to bust out the heaters again. We have the heaters. Um, yeah, well, so we've been talking about, we're taking a break from our series in Exodus this past week and then, and then this week too. We're taking a break from our series in Exodus to kind of ask the question, what is, what is life, you could say, what is our, maybe our, our quote unquote new normal, 
going to look like after the pandemic? You know, more and more people are getting more comfortable, you know, doing more things, seeing more people, going to, to more places. And so we're asking this question. I know we're asking this question as families and individually, but we're asking that question as a church too. What is our post-pandemic normal going to look like? Uh, what does it look like for us to be faithful followers of Jesus in this, in this new time, in, in the, in the post-pandemic normal? Now, I, I know that some of you might hear that and, and you might think, you know, I, I'm, I'm really not ready to be talking about a, a new normal or getting back to normal or something like that. You might be thinking, you know, gosh, there's, there's still too many cases um, you know, still not enough people have been vaccinated. What am I going to do about my kids if they can't get vaccinated? And, you know, like Matt said, I love what Matt said last week. We, we want you to know we hear you loud and clear. We know that not everybody is comfortable, um, that we're in different places kind of as far as comfort level from a health and safety perspective. And, and we get that. And I think in this time, like all times, but especially in this time where we have people that are you know, we, we have different comfort levels. You know, some people might be just kind of rearing to go. Other, other, others of us might be a little bit more cautious. And, and that's okay. The, the real important thing during this time is that we, that we honor each other, that, that we love each other, that we don't, we don't judge each other, that, we, that we're respectful of each other. But on the other hand, so how many of you would say that you did something in the past couple weeks that you would not have been comfortable doing during the height of the pandemic? Anybody did something in the past couple of weeks that you wouldn't have been comfortable doing during the height of the pandemic? That was pretty much everybody. Um, yeah, I know for, for me and my family, a couple weeks ago, we got together with Lindsay's, Lindsay's side of the family for a, for a cookout at, at, my, um, at my brother and sister-in-law's house. And, you know, there were, nobody had a mask on. We were, we were hugging, um, no social distancing, obviously, if we're hugging or that would be a really strange hug. <laughs> um, but yeah, so no social distance. It, it felt, it felt kind of like, you know, that, that phrase we keep thinking about, getting back to something similar to, to, to normal. And it, it was great. But, you know, that's not something that our family would have been comfortable doing a, a couple months ago. Um, so, so what is this going to look like, this post-pandemic normal for us as a church? Well, last week Matt talked about one aspect of this, which is our weekly worship gathering. And what we said is, and again, I want to just amen and second this, that, um, that we recognize that some people, especially some people probably today watching the live stream, um, you might just say, you know, I'm just not ready to be in a group that size yet. And we, we want you to hear that we respect that, we, we get that, we, we understand that. But we just ask when you are comfortable from, from a health and safety perspective, um, that, that you really make it a priority to, to worship with us, to, to attend this, this weekly gathering of, of our church. I'm getting some like ghost noises. It sounds like a haunted, woo, like a haunted house um, with, the, with the wind. Thankfully, we didn't have to turn the fans on today, so that was, that was good. We can, we can save, save some electricity with that. Um, but what was I saying? Yes, okay, so, so come to church, <laughs> like, like, like Matt said. And, and again, we recognize that not everybody is comfortable from a health and safety perspective. Um, but we, we were made, as Matt reminded us last week, we were made to need to be together. 
And, and we were made for more than just Zoom calls. We, we were made to be able to hug each other, to see each other's faces, to be in the same physical space. Right, so when you're comfortable, we encourage you to really make this a priority, even if it's a little bit hot, even if it's a little bit sunny, like like we said in the videos um, that you may or may have not seen. Um, we're going to be putting more more uh, sun sunscreens out, and we think we could really get a lot of shade out here, so um, we don't think that'll be a huge problem. Well. Um, uh, Today, this week, I want to talk with you about a different aspect of our post-pandemic normal, and that is our relationships with people that are not in our church. Last week, Matt was talking about our relationships with people that are in our church, and this week, I want to ask the question, in this post-pandemic normal, whenever we kind of get into that, as a church and for us as individuals and families who are disciples of Jesus, what does it look like, what should it look like for us to love our neighbors, to love the non-Christians around us the way Jesus has called us to? Um, you know, and this is really interesting because I think this is another thing uh, where we've all had very, not all of us, but we've had in our church, I think there's lots of different, there's lots of different experiences that, have been, that are represented over the past year. Uh, as far as our relationships with our with our neighbors or or different people in the community, people outside our our home, um, you know, maybe you would hear me talk about relationships with with unbelievers or relationships with our with our neighbors, and you would say, "Man, you know, I have never felt so connected to my neighbors as I do now." You, you might say that, you know, we've had dur- during the the pandemic, we had our quarantine. Or, you know, we had our, our homeschool bubble or, you know, there were less, we weren't kind of quite as much running helter-skelter, doing all these different activities. And so people were just kind of on their front porch more. And we got to, to have conversations with people that we usually don't have the chance to sort of slow down and have conversations with. You know, you might say, hey, I've never felt so close to the people that are on my street um, as, as, I, as I do now. And that, that's awesome. That's a, that's a blessing. On the other hand, I think there's some of us in our church family who you, know, you might say, you know what, I feel pretty isolated. You know, there's been so much going on in my home. I mean, trying to figure out homeschool or virtual school, trying to figure out work from home, um, trying to figure out just making sure my family's doing okay. You know, maybe, maybe you haven't felt comfortable kind of venturing out and, and connecting with other people outside the home. Maybe you have some really good friends that you used to be really close to, to through, through school or through dance or through some other type of activity, and, and they haven't been comfortable meeting during the pandemic. And so you've been really disconnected from them. So you might say, you know what, when, we, when I think about um, relationships with my neighbors or with people outside of our church, you know, that, that's kind of tough because I feel pretty isolated right now. Um, and, and yeah, I, I get that. So, so we're coming at this from different places. But what I think is interesting is that when we look at the gospels, Jesus, he spends a lot of time with people in the community, doesn't he? He spends a lot of time, you know, he doesn't just kind of, you know, post up in the synagogue and just kind of wait for people to come. And well, if somebody comes, I'll teach him. No, he goes out and he, he just like in this passage that Angie was just reading, he, he goes throughout the towns. He goes into people's homes. He has dinner with them. Um, he, he gets to know lots of different types of people and he loves them. 
I want you to look at, in this passage that Angie just read, um, in Matthew 9, I want you to look especially at verses 35 to 38. Verses 35 through 38. It says, that so he's going throughout all the cities and the villages, and he's teaching in the synagogues, and he's healing, and he's, um, he's proclaiming the kingdom. And then verse 36, really, really two things I want you to notice here. First of all, two things that Jesus, that we see in Jesus as he's interacting with his neighbors. First of all, in verse 36, we see that he cares for them. First of all, we see that he cares for them. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. His heart went out to them. He had empathy for them. Why did he care for them? It says that he had compassion for them because they were dealing with a lot of difficulty, because they were harassed and hopeless. They were like sheep without a shepherd, okay? These people, they, they, needed, they needed something that they didn't have. They, they, needed, they needed love, but they didn't have love. They needed somebody to protect them. They needed somebody to give them direction, They needed somebody to give them encouragement, but they didn't have it. They were like sheep without a shepherd, okay? That's the first thing that he does is is that he cares for the people that are around him. Number two, he prays for them. He cares for them, and because he cares for them, it says in verse 37, and then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, and let me just stop here. What do we expect Jesus to say? Okay, there's all these people, the harvest is plentiful. There's all these people that, you know, need what we have. So what do we expect Jesus to say? We kind of expect him to say, so, you know, let's go get them, <laughs> right? Like, let's go, you know, hey, memorize this, this scroll and just go, go tell people, right? Just let's get after it. But that's not what he says. What does he say? He turns and he tells his disciples to pray that God would send out people into the harvest. Now, now, why is it that Jesus, the first thing that he says is to pray? Why is that? Well, I think one thing we see in the Gospels is that over and over again, and really not just the Gospels, throughout all of the, the Bible, over and over again from, you know, from Adam and Eve until, until Revelation, we see that God is hammering into us and Jesus is hammering into his disciples and hammering in into to us today as his disciples that we really need him, right? That we need him, that we can't do any, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing, but you need to abide in me and then you'll be able to bear fruit. Right, so we need him. And what happens is when, when we see the needs of people around us, when we take the time to pray, what we're doing is we're, we're relying on the Holy Spirit. We're asking God to, to work. And what we'll find, I think the reason that Jesus insists on this and really hammers this in, into us is that what we find is when we pray, when we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, we see that God shows up and he does things that we would have never thought possible. We see that God shows up and he does things that we would have never thought possible. So I, I don't know, when you, when you hear this kind of about, um, 
about loving our neighbors, about caring for the people that we meet at the gym, the, the soccer moms and the soccer dads, the dance moms and the dance dads, the, um, our, our neighbors, people that we know from school, whatever, our classmates, our coworkers. You know, I, I'm not sure how that kind of hits you. I know that that can be, sometimes can be a little bit intimidating, right? Thinking about reaching out, thinking about maybe we're, maybe that leads to some conversations. Um, but, you, you know, I, I know that in the past, in the past several months, as we've been having these conversations about being disciples of Jesus, you know, what have we said? We said that a disciple is somebody who trusts, who is learning to trust Jesus, to love Jesus, and to obey Jesus. You know, Charlie loves it always, you know, I'm always trying to forget that, that learning, but Charlie, Charlie, Charlie uh, reminds me, right? So a disciple is somebody who's learning to trust, love, and obey Jesus. And, but not only that, we want to be people who are making disciples, who are helping other people learn to trust, love, and obey Jesus. And I've heard several of you, I've had a conversation with somebody just a couple weeks ago that said, you know, um, I, this person said, I'm the type of person that if you give me something to do, I'm going to do it. Right, but I just need something to do. You know, what should we be doing? And we've heard this in a lot of different conversations with, with many of you. You know, okay, disciples making disciples, helping people to trust, love, and obey Jesus. That's awesome. You know, you know, totally on board. But but what should we do? Like literally, what should we do tomorrow? And and today I want to talk about something that I really believe God is calling our church to do. And not just kind of us as a, as a church, as a big kind of church, not just the pastors, but, but honestly, every single one of us, every single family, um, every single one of us that would say that we're a disciple of, of Jesus, that we're a follower of Jesus. And honestly, that's just to do exactly what, it's to do exactly what, um, what Jesus did, to pray for the non-Christians around us, first of all, care for them, and then to pray for them. To care for them and then to pray for them. Do you have a, uh, I got in my pocket here. Yeah, do, do you guys have this sheet, this little white kind of half piece of paper? Um, if you don't have one, could you raise your hand? Dan can give you one to see. I think somebody in the back, Kevin in the back. Um, yeah, so on this piece of paper, what I have here if I can keep it from blowing away. And if you're, if you're watching at home, then this is in the, I put this in the Slack group, the church Slack group last night. You'll see at the top of the sheet, there's three blanks. And what I want you to do, I want all of us to spend some time, if you haven't done this already, to spend some time this afternoon and just, and, and pray and ask God to give you the names of three people that he wants you to commit to pray for. Ask God to give you the names of three unbelievers that he wants you to commit to pray for. And these can be people, maybe they're people that you know are not Christians. You've heard them talk about uh, that they're an atheist or you know that they're, that they're Hindu or they're Buddhist or, or something like that. Or, or maybe they're just people that you know, you haven't heard them. You don't, you're not absolutely sure they're not a Christian, um, but you just don't really know where they are. You just don't know where they are with their faith. You know, maybe you've heard them kind of, you've heard them sort of like vaguely refer to a church background, but you don't know if they have a relationship with Jesus. 
or maybe you've just never even broached this topic with him. But I, I want you to ask God to give you three, the names of three people that he wants you to commit to pray for. And then to, to pray for them on a daily basis. You, you might say, well, what if I miss a day? Well, that, that's okay. Just as often as you pray, as often as you open up your Bible, as often as God brings it to mind, as much as you can, to, to pray for these people. And you, know, you, might, you might say, okay, well, if I'm praying for these people every single day, that's going to get really old really fast. What am I going to pray for them about? Um, well, if you look at the bottom of this sheet, I, I have listed 10 different ways you can pray for people who don't know the Lord. Everything from, um, you know, God, please, God, please, I pray that you would take away so-and-so's doubts. God, I pray that you would send somebody into this person's life to tell them about Jesus. God, I pray that you would give me an opportunity to have a spiritual conversation with this person. God, please draw them to yourself. Please don't let Satan blind their eyes to the gospel. Just th things like this, 10 ways you can pray. And obviously there's lots more, um, but, but these are some suggestions. Um, and I encourage you just to pray. And obviously, as God gives you opportunities, be sensitive to those. But, but let's just commit to pray. Because, again, when we pray, we're relying on the Holy Spirit. And when we pray, God shows up and he does things that we wouldn't have ever thought possible. Well, I, I'm going to just close today with, uh, with a story. And th this is a story of a time for Lindsay and me that we saw when we were praying for somebody that God showed up and he did, he did something that we wouldn't have thought possible. This was about, this would have been a couple years ago, maybe two, three years ago. At the time, my daughter, Valerie, who's, she's six years old right now. At the time she was, she was three going on four and she had just started preschool and she had a she had several teachers, but there was one one of her preschool teachers was the head teacher and the principal of the school. And yeah, I don't know if you've ever met somebody like this before, but she was just one of those people who it's like you know that she doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, but you just you just see so much of God in her. You know anybody like that? Somebody where it's like I know this person isn't a Christian but I just see so much of the, the beautiful, precious image of God in, in this person. And that's the way she was. She was so loving. She was so caring. She was incredibly responsible, just loved the kids so well. She was an amazing teacher. Um, this really had a shepherd's heart. And, and so we, we just started to pray for her. And we were praying for her individually. I think especially my wife, Lindsay, was praying for her. Uh, we were praying for her at meals as a family, you know, praying for opportunities, praying that God would open up her heart, that he would draw her to himself. And um, so a couple months go by, and we invite her over for dinner. And so, so one night, she's over at her house for dinner, and we're talking, and so we just asked her. We said, hey, you know, do you have any type of spiritual backgrounds? Like, we'd heard her mention kind of Buddhism, but we didn't know, is that like a kind of a cultural thing, or is it, we didn't know how seriously she took it. And, you know, so we asked her about her spiritual background, and we, we shared a little bit about what we believe. And, you know, she, she was incredibly polite, um, 
but we could tell that she just wasn't interested. Have you ever had that happen before? You, know, you could tell she was very polite, but you could tell that she just wasn't. It's kind of like, okay, you know, I, I'm, I'm Buddhist. It's good for me. You're Christian. That's good for you. But, you know, let's not, and just kind of change the subject. And um, so we could tell that she wasn't really that into it. And it, to be honest, we were discouraged because we've been praying for her a, a lot. And, and we kind of been looking forward to that, that dinner as, well, this is the time naturally where God's going to show up and answer our prayers. So we were a little bit disappointed, and um, but but we kept praying. We kept praying, God, you know, please help her to see, please convict her of her sin. God, please help her to see that she needs you. Help her to see that you're the only one who can give her eternal life. Just things like that. So a few months more went by, and um, and it's you know God God uses everything. He uses every circumstance in our life to to bless us and to to work His will even hard things. And so a few months later, this, this teacher, her, her husband, um, was diagnosed with cancer. And so he has cancer and he's in the hospital and long story short, the doctors are basically saying that he probably doesn't have much longer. And so, um, the, the teacher, she's obviously really distraught and, and, and Lindsay, you know, she's, if you think you're, you might say I'm, I'm the biggest introvert in the world. I would say you are the second biggest introvert in the world because my wife is the queen of introverts. <laughs> she is not somebody who's like going to go up to people or, or really um, express her opinion forcefully. But the, the Holy Spirit was just working in her. And, and she, you know, she, she was just determined, like, I'm going to go and pray for this guy. So she walks in all by herself to this hospital room where it's the guy that's, you know, he's, he's laying in the hospital bed. He's not responsive. The rest of the family's there. They're all Buddhist. And, uh, and she goes in and she says like, hey, is it okay if I pray for him? And they say, yeah, okay. And, and so she, she puts her hands on him and prays, you know, God, please help, please help this guy to, to get better. I pray this family will come to know you. And, and then, then she, yeah, she, she prays and then she goes home. Well, the, the next day, the, the next day we, we get a call from, from the teacher. And I'll never forget what she said. She said that, um, she said that her husband, after Lindsay prayed, like the, the next day very quickly, he started to, to get better. And um, the next day the doctor said that he, could, that he could go home from the hospital. And she said, I'll never forget this. She said, it's like, it's like we got our, my, my husband back from the dead is what she said. And she said, thank you so much. Still doesn't believe, but she said, thank you so much for praying for him. And, you know, it was interesting that we could see that she became more, more interested. She became more open after that. She's still not like, you know, what must I do to be saved type of thing. But, but she was, she was the, those defenses weren't, weren't up as much. And, and we, we kept on praying for her. And, and, you know, again, long story short, after several more months, um, her husband's in the hospital again and still has cancer. And this time the doctors are like, okay, you know, before we, we really thought it was going to be the end, but this time it really is. And something just changed in that teacher that she all of a sudden became extremely eager to learn more about the gospel. She starts asking this, all these things that we used to say before that were just kind of in one ear and out the other. She became like adamant that she really wanted to know. Um, what happens after we die? 
What does it mean to be saved? Why did Jesus die on the cross for us? Stuff like this. And so Lindsay, she took a little booklet for spiritual laws, like a gospel tract booklet, and, uh, and she read it to her. And then this teacher ended up, she ended up praying to receive Christ. And then she took this booklet and she goes to her husband in the hospital. And at this point, he, you know, he wasn't lucid at all. But she, she reads this booklet to him. And, and later she told us this, we weren't there, but later she said that he had kind of this moment where he was able to, to be responsive and he was able to communicate and she's urging him like, you know, please, you know, put your faith in Jesus. Jesus can save you. Jesus can give you eternal life. We can be together forever if you put your faith in Jesus. And, and, and he did. And, um, a couple days after that, he, he died. And, you know, I, I shared this story, um, I share this story just as an example of the fact that there were times in there where we thought, man, is this, is God really working? Like, this doesn't seem to be working out too well. But the whole time God was working, and I think he was working through our prayers. So let's be like Jesus. Let's care for the non-Christians around us, and let's commit to pray for them. And let's just watch what God does. Okay, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you that you are good. That just like that song that we sometimes sing says, even when we don't see you, you're working. You never stop working. We pray you would work through us. God, I pray for the people that I'm praying for. I pray for my neighbors, Tom and Robin. Would you draw them to yourself? Would you give us opportunities to share the gospel? God, I pray that in our church, you would raise, up, raise us up to be witnesses through the power of the Holy Spirit, so that we can be disciples who make disciples. In Jesus' name, amen.